was my impression of what was that your impression a, a horny robot oh okay good welcome back everyone oh that Hi. was a that was a little peak i might need to turn this down okay welcome back everyone sorry about that peak but welcome back everyone to explaining to austin it's me peyton oh and it's your boy, Austin. Now, uh, as mentioned in the last episode, we did have some technical difficulties uh, with the microphone, my microphone, but now I have a new microphone. We're actually testing out a new recording style this episode. Uh, we are actually in the same room for once, and we are recording uh, together. Insert child fanfare sound. Um, so that's fun. Um, um, so we're hoping that this works okay and it looks all right. Let me change this. Sure, it looks all right, but how does it sound? That's what I, (laughs) that's what I mean. Sorry, I was a little distracted. Just figuring some things out. Um, so... Let me turn this down a little bit more. A little bit more. There we go. That should be fine. Okay. Austin. Yeah. How are you? Oh, I'm pretty good. I uh, I have a new car since the last time we did this. Oh. Which is neat. Uh, I had class today. We went to a coffee shop. Yeah, that's about, that's it. That's pretty much life. I've been working like cool. 50 hours a week. It's a lot of hours. I'll say. Well, I'm pretty good. Yeah, what you been up to? Ah, this and that, here and there. A little bit of that. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, here okay. and there, everywhere. Oh, sure, right about it. Uh, it's nice to be recording in the same room with you. Yeah, this is interesting. I can look into your eyes I can stare the right entire time. Knows. We can uh, jerk each other off under the table I'm surprised while we're we record. Right um, so, you know, later on, if during the episode you're like, some squelching noises. If you hear some noises and you hear us kind of like hesitating while we talk, where we're like, and, just and don't, then, just don't and even worry. mind your business. The episode. Uh, okay, next Yuck. on the docket. Um, that's why. Um, that's totally why. So our last episode we posted, Austin was a was a golden oldie, Ooh, at least for us. Goldie oldie. New to everyone else, but but a but a a classic for us. Goldie locks. And the three bears. Um, Goldilocks and the three ba- But it was uh, a time when we were on the radio, a good old time. I'm hoping we can bring some of that same fun, goofy energy into this. Shout out to college radio stations. Yeah, shout out to them. And Keeping alternative music alive. Yep. We both have, uh, have some cups of soda that are almost empty next to us. Oh, mine was sweet tea. Oh, sweet tea. Cool. Okay. Sorry. Um, now you've embarrassed yourself. But, but now they're now they're mostly empty, and you can hear the ice, the ice rattle. Welcome. We're, this is a, now an ASMR podcast. 
Uh, uh, oh my god. <laughs> Too much? Too much. <laughs> All right, so, so what are we talking about today? Just uh, kidding, I know the answer. Say it to them. All right, well, I guess we're into that part of the show now. I suppose we are. <laughs> just kind of made that call on your own there, bud. Yeah, you know, it's okay. I always segues right into just brutal transitions. I'm still just, like, preoccupied over here about the audio being paranoid if how it sounds. Oh, it probably sounds horrible. I'm going to, yeah, maybe. But we will soldier on regardless. And if it sounds terrible, well, only about 10 people listen to this podcast. Yeah, you're not paying for it. You're not you got paying. Unless you got our exclusive NFT edition. It's guaranteed to take out one cubic mile of the rainforest <laughs> for every cop. For every listen. For every listen, part of the rainforest dies. I love that it's cubic. Exclusive. I love that by saying cubic mile, it implies that rainforest trees are roughly a mile tall they're pretty big uh, not a mile oh well someone check me on that i'm, I'm not, not a gonna... i'm not a uh, tree scientist last time i checked so <laughs> well i'm just gonna uh yeah well that's how that is you know um anyway but you're not no i know it's a surprise to many that i'm not uh but i it's true i'm not okay today's episode Tell them. is on a film called the evil within right that you knew that the beatles album the evil within without you yes that famous beatles album and austin you know anything about this film and if not what questions i do you actually have? know fucking nothing about this one um hey hey watch your language I'm so sorry. I forgot this is the radio. I forgot this is a family podcast. <laughs> this is a family podcast. We're on chill- uh, we're on the kids YouTube app. We're on we're on Max Fun Kids. <laughs> we're on uh we're on Sirius XM kids. Kid, kids stuff, whatever. On, this is the Wiggles Podcast Network. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out to the Wiggles. Shout out to, dude, Fruit salad, are, yummy, yummy. They did a cover of Tame Impala's Elephant on an Australian radio show really? where they like bring musicians on to do covers of other band songs. Nice. And it's awesome. I mean the Wiggles like they're you know, like They're like solid. Yeah. yeah. They're like But then they they instead of doing that solo that's in that song, they just do a rendition of Fruit Salad like halfway oh, through it. It's wonderful. Great. I love that. Anyway, some questions anyway, go about ahead. the evil within. First off, I want to know what it's in. What's the evil within? What who, what is the evil in? The 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 heart the hearts of man. Okay. Um, how evil scale of one to ten? Uh, how evil do you consider murder? And further, how evil do you consider child murder? It's so contextual. <laughs> How evil do you consider, uh, uh, 
like uh, first degree murder with with uh, with little to no moral reasoning. Oh, pretty evil. That's like at least an eight. Some of which is just like completely random and happenstance. Seven and a half to eight. Okay. Well, then there's your answer. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, me. Uh, when did this come out? This came out. Well, uh, we'll get into this, but uh, technically, it came out like it released in 2017. Okay. So it's fairly recent in its release, anyway. I've heard of that year. Yeah. Oh, me too. Um, I think that gets there. Um, was this movie directed or created by an insane, self-proclaimed entrepreneur? Yes. No way. Well, I believe that was in the text I sent you. Oh, was it? I don't remember, but because it's very either. accurate. But I'm gonna check. Do you just did you just know that somehow? No, or I just like. Or uh, are you are you extrapolating that based on like based, the, la- based the last on, couple that we've uh, done? Based on Assassin AD and JD Vance's <laughs> Hillbilly Elegy. That's a good. Well, funnily enough, yes, it is, and um, we'll definitely get into that. Um. Where. When did you text me about this one? A while ago, because we were supposed to record Monday, and now it's Thursday. Alright, there's Tuesday, Wednesday. Here's the tweet for today's podcast, by the way. I don't remember. I probably didn't tell you. I don't think no, I told you, you. You just said, by the way, tonight's movie is The Evil Within. Yeah, That okay. was the whole text. Alright. Well, yes, you're right on that count, then. Wow, so Austin. that good. was a dumb joke I was making, but and it turned good out to guess. be fact. What's that? Is that a motorcycle? What is that? It's like a car, but way smaller. Really? It's like a stroller, but way faster. What? Yeah. Four wheels? Two. You're kidding. Across from each other. You're kidding. No. You're joking. Yeah, two wheels, engine between those. You sit on top of the engine. Excuse me? I know. I can't believe they're legal. This is legal? Yeah. You can just buy them. Where? Anywhere. Anywhere? Walmart smells small ones without engines. What? Yeah, I know. I gotta find out about this. Anyway, we'll do some research. Next episode topic. Any opinions on motorcycles? Yeah, that's, I, I know what our next episode's about. Uh, motorcycles as a concept. Yeah. Um, okay, what was the budget? Uh, Is that in your notes? It it's not. There's no exact count, but it's somewhere between four and six million. So not a lot not for, for a, a movie, movie. Not that much. But did it see a theatrical release? No. Okay. Okay. But you'll you, when. Let, let me tell you, it's four to six million of someone's personal money. Like, JD it's Vance. not it's not from a uh, studio or anything. It's the like, studio wasn't it's, like one guy, budget. it's one guy's money. So it's like a Tommy Wiseau kind of situation? Yeah, okay. somewhat. Uh, any critical acclaim? Um, define critical acclaim. <laughs> Critics love it. Uh, Question mark. Some respected and... Uh, what did Roger Ebert think about it? Th- when did he die? I think like, he was dead. <laughs> way before this, I'm pretty Not sure. way before. It was he in the last, like... 25 years ago? No, it's been I'm, in the last, like, yeah. 10 years. Let's see. I say, like, 2015. Roger... 2013. No, 2013. Okay, yeah. so he was dead. Yeah. So he said nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and those... That silence spoke volumes. <laughs> His lack of comment. His lack of Hashtag this one. canceled. Where's Roger? Why has Roger Ebert not been talking about the protests, Austin? Hashtag cancel Roger Ebert. He hasn't told us how many thumbs (laughs) for the protests. Police, two thumbs down. Two thumbs down for police. Black Lives Matter, two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. If he had a third thumb, he'd put it up. He'd put it up. Um, Okay, and then the last one I have, I wrote actors, but I mean 
Who's in it? Actor. Well, you see, actors or was this real? Um, <laughs> this, is, this is a documentary. <laughs> Uh, well, no, uh, well, I, or that, that, or you're asking actors, what, what is that? Don't understand the concept. It's when a person pretends to be someone else for the sake of, uh, of, uh, of, a uh, work of art. Okay. Would you call this movie a work of art? In some ways, yes. Sure. Okay. I like that. I like but that in terms of actors, and I'll get to this, well, and not, not if I say it now, I guess I'll just say it now. Say it. Um. Don't spray it. So our lead actor is kind of like a no-name guy who uh, it's not really been in my, he's had like small supporting roles on like TV shows and stuff. But besides this, this is his only real big thing. His name is Frederick Kohler. But in terms of name, big names, well, big names comparatively for this film. Uh uh, One of the big names in this film is a man named Michael Berryman, who you probably don't know, but for... Those of us, those fans out there like myself who are big horror fans and aficionados, Michael Berryman, of course, played um, one of the key uh, villain characters in the original Hills Have Eyes. He's okay. very, uh, very distinctive look. Um, he, I'm not sure he was born with some sort of um, condition, but he's very, he's very uh, visually striking, like bald, no eyebrows, and he's got like kind of large bulging eyes um okay okay he's kind of he, he's well known in the horror uh genre for playing you know creepy characters and nice. stuff he's a solid actor good for him um we he also creepy characters we also have uh sean patrick flannery now austin are you familiar with that name because i have a hunch you might be wait i know that name i don't know why I even know if you okay, well you want me to tell you He's in a movie you like, but I don't. Is he in Boondock Saints? Yes. Is he the dad in Boondock Saints? No, he's one of the main guys. One of the brothers. He's one of the two guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of them. So he's in this movie. He's one Man. of the main characters. I enjoy that movie, but every time I've watched it, like, within the last couple of years, I'm like, I get why people hate this. Like, this, it's, it's pretty bad. Well, it's called Growing Up, Austin. Yeah, yeah, I know it really is. Like, I still enjoy it. Like, it's fun, but, like... I'm like, mm, some of this is just... We were all in middle school once. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, next, connection to a previous episode, we have Dina Meyer. Ron Howard. <laughs> Ron... No, if only. Uh, Dina Meyer, who played, if you could think back a couple episodes, she played the lead lady character, Jane, in Johnny Mnemonic, the bodyguard lady. So, oh my it's a God. fun little, little callback. Wow. Our first non-Ron Howard callback. <laughs> Unfortunately, the E two, the E T A E two A C U. Yeah, E T E two A C U. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I have no. As far as I can tell, Ron Howard has no connections to this film. We gotta find a connection to make it happen. I know. Um, I a connection to Ron Howard on my desk I, by Monday. <laughs> I want Ron Howard, and I want him now. Oh, <laughs> bang the table. <clears throat> It's really peak the mic. Um, and then lastly, in this movie, in a very small, almost cameo-esque role, we have a man named Matthew Gregory, who is famous for, when he was alive, he was considered the world's, or I don't know if the world's or America's tallest actor. He was, I believe... six one. No, taller. He was actually around seven... Oh. What was he? Um... Uh, where seven feet six inches tall. Is that taller than Andre the Giant? Uh, I don't know, but he he's very tall. Okay. He was considered uh 
he some called him like the giant. He was in some horror movies like Rob Zombie stuff, uh, but very much known for being he is a tall guy, tall, the giant big guy, four. deep voice. Um, he's in this. Uh, notably, this this film is the last released film uh, with him in it uh, after his death. Oh, okay. Uh, so those are the actors. Wonderful. That's all the questions I had. All right. So I, I suppose I'll get into uh, my facts now. Yes, please. Quick facts. Yeah. Um, so let me start off by saying, Austin, when a movie gets made, I'm assuming you're familiar with the fact that movies normally are are from the beginning of pre-production to release, it, it usually is somewhere between a year to maybe two years or, you know, at the most, maybe five years if it's a really labored, you know, difficult production, correct? Or Boyhood, where it takes 18 years. Yes, well, actually, Boyhood took 12 years. Oh, yeah. uh, this movie was in stages of pre-production, production, and post-production for 15 years. It started. What? It started its principal photography in 2002. And it was released in 2017. So did they do all the filming in 2002 and then the rest of it just took that long? I Because if so, how do you prevent actors from aging? That Good point. I think most of it was filmed, if not 2002, those first couple years. A lot of the, those years afterwards was focusing on like special effects and stuff like that. But still, it was like under production in various stages for 15 years. Good God. As I stated previously, it was financed, it was cost about four to six million dollars, but as I said, that was all one person's money. And that's because this film is uh, written, directed, and produced uh, by Andrew Getty, who is the heir to the Getty Oil Empire, uh, famously started by J. Paul Getty, who at one time was the richest man in the United States with $26 billion to his Whoa. name. This is Andrew Getty, who is, I believe, can't remember if he is, I believe, grandson of J. Paul Getty. If not grandson, maybe great-grandson. Can't remember. Um, so this film is directed, written, and produced by Andrew Getty, who was formerly uh, involved with investing. Um, but then he kind of had this artistic streak in him. He always wanted to make movies. Um, so... He made this, or attempted, and I guess you could say created this film. Um, now, let's see. He, the majority of this film was shot uh, and edited and created in his own mansion in the Hollywood Hills. That's convenient. And he's, uh, according to him, it a lot of a lot of it is based on his own childhood nightmares. Um, that he had childhood kind of nightmares and uh, you know uh, imagination and stuff like that and as well as aspects of the uh, son of Sam killer uh, Berkowitz from the 70s well, shit. which I'll get into okay the lead actor uh, going along with the years that this was in production when he started when they started filming he was just out of college and when it released he was in his 40s. <laughs> My God! Uh, I'm so, telling your family about that, like, "Hey, I got this, like, got my big break. I'm in this movie." Yeah, and you're like just out of college. Your family's so proud of you, and then they keep asking you every year when it's gonna come yeah. out. 
And you're like, well, they're still working on it. And they're like, you weren't in a movie, were you? <laughs> you're making all this stuff. Uh, my girlfriend, she goes to another school. Yeah, like, come on, Bill. You don't have to lie to impress us. We're your family. We'll love you no matter what. Uh, back to Andrew Getty. So this was all completely financed on his own right. money. Uh, to the point where Frederick Kohler, who is our lead actor I just mentioned, said that he Andrew Getty basically spent like his entire like fortune he had on this film to the point where apparently at some points of production, Andrew Getty was like forego like ate cereal for every meal so he could like save enough money to like put into production, oh uh, like selling off assets including a uh, a Cobra like the car. Oh shit! Like I'm an not, AC Cobra. Yeah. Wow. He sold off an AC co- his AC Cobra to help finance the film. He was like basically putting everything he had into this film. I mean, that'll that uh, fucking Cobra will get you a cool like yeah hundred two hundred grand if it's real. Um, the whole time while making this movie, he was addicted to meth. Hmm. Man, uh, well, you know, I see something that could have saved him some money. Yes. Looking <laughs> looking at this, and in 2015. He was found in his mansion by his ex-girlfriend, who a couple weeks prior he had filed a restraining order against. In 2015, he was found by her in his mansion, dead uh, from what doctors concluded was a combination of a bleeding ulcer in his uh, intestine or stomach, um, heart problems, and meth amphetamine use. So he never saw this movie released? No. He was, eight, he was 47 uh, when he was found dead. And when he died in 2015, they were still in the process of color correcting the film. Partially of the reason why they were still stuck in that stage was he insisted that the entirety of all of the footage they shot be color corrected before editing. Now that's completely superfluous and is never done normally because obviously you edit the film and then you only take what you actually needed in the final edit and color correct that. But for some reason, oh, oh. he insisted on the entire film being... So all the raw footage. Raw being footage color being color corrected. But so he died... So he was insane, huh? Well, I mean, he was very driven and you can argue on whether or not how much of that is meth and wealth and insanity and how much of that is like artistic drive. That's yeah. a debate for sure. But we can um, have that debate later. Yeah, for sure. Um... But yeah, when he died, the film was in that stage and ended up being completed and edited over the next two years and then released um, by one of the producers and a friend of Andrew Getty on the film. So, and then I mentioned the actors. So that's kind of your background you need to know going into this film. I wanted to read one more quick thing actually from Wikipedia. I just like the way this is phrased. Um, Filming began in 2002 and was in his own mansion. He converted one of the rooms in his mansion to a post-production suite. Uh, he made his own unique camera rigs, built expensive sets, and with his FX team, he created elaborate animatronic robots, including an octopus that can play a drum kit. I want that octopus. Yeah. I just like the way that's phrased. <laughs> yeah, like that's the one that they had to talk about. Yeah. Another thing to note, part of the reason why this cost him so much of his own money was because he did things like insisting that rather than renting camera equipment, which even like Hollywood productions do, like you rent the camera stuff. Makes sense. He insisted on buying everything, camera equipment, rigs, lights, 
the trucks to transport them. He insisted on buying it. He would have saved a lot of money by renting, huh? Yeah, as well as, like I just said, converting one of the rooms in his house literally into a post-production suite. He could have just, like, had a studio do that, right? Like, Yeah. Also, um, part of the reason it says it stopped and started over the years, part of the reason was there was a lawsuit at some point from a studio assistant, but now a part of, like, the deal they came to was, like, basically all records of, like, what the lawsuit was about were, like, expunged and destroyed. So there's, like, real, really, like, no way of knowing what that lawsuit entailed. Yeah. um, And according to... uh, Frederick Kohler, who I mentioned is the lead actor in right, this, right. only him and Michael Berryman, the horror uh, kind of character actor, him and Michael Berryman were the only ones who were kind of like solidly like there throughout the entire production, like on set. Um, everyone else kind of came and went just because it took so long. Uh, so that's pretty much the background I wanted to say. Uh, what do you? What are your thoughts on all that crazy stuff I just told you? I mean, you can see on my face, I'm a little stunned. Like all of this is just so fucking like dog shit insane. Like, I, yeah. I this sounds like its own movie. Like yeah. they could make a movie about like they they should do like a uh, what was the movie about the room? Disaster artist. Yeah, they should do a disaster artist style movie about this. Oh, I, you definitely could because like, it's literally this about being an, an oil company heir who's a recluse and was high on meth the whole time, spending his entire life fortune and literally possibly, you know, the bleeding, you get a bleeding ulcer from like stress and stuff like that. He, I mean, there's, he was literally like killed himself making this movie. Yeah. This movie in some degree anyway, which you'll see kind of is strange because that, that kind of idea ties into the plot of the film. I don't know. Um, It's not strange. It kind of, it's almost like more expected than, yeah, that's true. That's true. um, but yeah, no, it's yeah. just ripe for a retelling of, of sorts, yeah, and I'm no, surprised I, it hasn't. I mean, it was only released in 2017. So maybe it's already like started. Maybe someone's already started this project, and it's just like... I haven't seen anything, but I wouldn't be surprised. So yeah, that's uh, the wacky and insane background of this film. Jesus. This might be the craziest background so far. Like, I yeah, the guy that did Assassin 33 AD was like a character, but like... This is insane. Yeah, I mean, this is like... This has, like, death and intrigue and yeah. drugs and money. Like, that guy just had, like, weird evangelicalism yeah. and, like, and racism. Fa- failed business ventures. Failed business ventures, racism, and evangelicalism. Yeah, so uh, definitely a tale. Wow. that being said austin are you ready to jump into uh into this i am so ready all right well buckle up because uh it's certainly a strange one 
so uh, we start off with multiple very like cheap like this this movie was when it was released it was like a straight to video like straight to amazon prime type you know distribution thing straight to you know pay-per-view um you know so with that being said your opening like studio logos you see are very like cheap like uh direct to video logos uh in terms of the quality we have this really interesting weird opening monologue um, that I didn't write down verbatim, but basically about like dream. It's all about the opening monologue is all about dreams and, you know, how do we know if we're really dreaming and, you know, what if we're dreaming all the time? And, you know, if, you know, all this kind of posturing about, you know, the nature of dreams and our and reality of this reality. <laughs> yeah. I'll, but the thing is like set to this is this really, really interesting visual, kind of collage of sorts where you have a room and basically the things through visual effects are just like morphing into other things like a baby carriage morphs into a clock and it's hard to describe it's very like surreal kind of opening shot psychedelic dolly-esque kind of like things morphing and shifting into other things um okay with that i want to mention that getty largely as I mentioned in that read-up about the octopus thing he did a lot of these effects like they're not like cgi a lot of the effects he did for this movie are like practical effects that like he did himself which is why it took so long because he spent like months and years like perfecting to his vision the visual effects and i'm sure this opening scene with all this trippy imagery is uh is one such uh, part he spent a long time on so we then uh, go into a dream the narrator s- tells us about this dream he would have as a child about going to an abandoned carnival in the middle of the desert and we see you know they walk up to him and his mother walk up he's a little kid in like a school uniform they walk up to like a ticket booth and then they go in and it's just like literally like carnival attractions in the middle of like you know like a flat like you like know Mojave. salt barren you know kind of like desert and they actually spent the money to like haul all of this out to the real desert when they filmed this. It's not on like green screen. Um, but he talks about this and how, uh, you know, he, they, he wants to go on the one, you know, the one ride that is like the, the kind of real kind of eye candy, the real, uh, draw for the thrill seekers and the, the and, whirly doodah. No, it's the haunted house ride. Ooh, so that creepy haunted house. Yeah one in texas or whatever. we went on a creepy haunted house drive oh creepy, you didn't no nah, because uh, it was like uh, it was a good know. idea because we went out, we were in the middle of random texas one time at a, at a place called wonderland oh, i believe wonderland. uh and we went on this haunted house ride and the, the whole park was like a carnival fair but like permanent yeah it felt like it, it felt like a uh like a double wide with a brick foundation yeah like it was like a carnival but it was there forever yeah like they just rolled into town and they were like oh well, i guess we'll just stay and they had like a you know like a haunted house you know dark ride where you sit in a little rickety metal cart and go through like this you know what was it called it was like it was like an adventure maze or yeah it was like the like the the hall of illusion or something house like that wonder something like that where you know you ride on a little buggy through this you know plywood <laughs> type structure and 
it wasn't scary. I mean, inside is all, all there was like of the actual ride was like, you know, like goofy skeletons and like mannequins on little things where they moved and shit. Uh, but like the scary part was that like, it felt like the type of thing that you get murdered in, like as a front, like it's a haunted house. Yeah, and yeah. then you go through and some like, you know, like inbred, like cannibal, like pops out from behind one of the like, you know, cutouts and 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 murders you and drags you off into the back to to the like you know cannibal butcher dungeon um cannibal butcher dungeon is my favorite primus song oh yeah it's a good one anyway back on topic um so him and his mom want to go on this uh little carnival haunted house ride they get in the buggy the attendant guy you know is your carny looking guy is like you sure you can handle this it's really scary and the kid's what? like yeah i can do it and they go on the ride and they kind of just ride through you know the darkness like as if they're about the ride's about to start but then like after a couple turns they just come out of the other side and the kid's like you know oh that was disappointing you know you're disappointed but and you don't understand how is that scary at all that's not scary and he turns to the mother and he's like you know, this is all being narrated and it's like, you turn to your mother and you're like, you know, that was pretty lame. What, or, you know, that wasn't yeah. scary at all. And, but then the mother takes off her, is like, how do you know the ride is over? And she takes off her sunglasses and like, instead of eyes, it's like mouths. And she's like, ah, and then it cuts. Uh, and like a kid wakes up or this guy wakes up from a dream <laughs> and he's scared like that yeah uh and he's like in his bed in this big kind of fancy mansion house which is was andrew getty's actual house uh and he's upset and he can't sleep and he's been dreaming but he's like dreaming about not being able to sleep where he's kind of like a sleep paralysis thing where he's like stuck sure. in the bed and he can't sleep and suddenly there's like a uh like a ghoul a ghoulish creature like in the room like watching him uh-huh no, uh, no, 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 no. And he can't move. He's like stuck and he can't wake up and he can't fall asleep. And the ghoul like charges at him and attacks him. And the ghoul like flips him over and like along the guy's back, like unzips the guy. Like there's a zipper. And the ghoul literally like crawls into the guy's skin and like zips it back up. Oh. And then like the ghoul in the guy's body walks around uh, until and he like draws all these faces of like the guy's family and friends on a whiteboard and then the next thing he knows the guy like wakes kind of like wakes up and he's like in this basement in front of a mirror and he realizes like oh i'm not dreaming anymore i literally woke up in the place where the dream ended um what are you doing i don't know a ghoul. A ghoul uh, my skin. Yeah. Uh, he's like, I, wo I woke up in the place where the dream, meant, the nightmare ended. And he realizes he's in this creepy basement in his house, but he, he's never, he's he, it's a room that he doesn't know exists. And he's like, where am I? Uh, oh, but he's in his house. And yeah. Uh, and then from there, it's kind of implied like he's almost maybe back in the dream. And uh, he wakes up and reality begins. What is so, this, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so then we cut and it's him the, and this, our protagonist is like maybe like mid twenties. Okay. Like I said, the actor was just out of college. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's that he's mid twenties, but he has a very kind of like boyish look to him. Okay. Okay. A very young looking guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's at a picnic with his brother. It was, his brother's kind of like the like older, more put together kind of like business yuppie looking uh, guy. Yeah, yeah. The brother is the boondock saints guy I mentioned. Oh, nice. Um, so he's at his brother and his brother's girlfriend at a picnic 
and in the voiceover, our main character is like, I apologize for the way I speak. Um, it's not as, you know, uh, it's not as eloquent as my inner dialogue. And at this point, like first when the when the when the main character spoke, he was like, "Chicken's good, but I wish we had some ice cream." I thought he was doing like a really bad like southern accent, but then I quickly realized that the character, the main character, is supposed to be like mentally disabled, like oh. like he's supposed to like you know. So be... their idea of doing like an intellectual disabled person is is southern. Well. As, as the movie goes on, like, it definitely doesn't sound Southern, but for some reason, the way the first line is delivered, and, like, without the setup, knowing that he was going to be, a, like, a disabled character, I thought it was a Southern accent, but it's oh. just, like, a poor attempt. Because, like, I mean, it's a very kind of, like, uh, <laughs> it's a very kind of uh, not great, uh, not mentally disabled guy doing a mentally disabled, like, accent, or not accent, but, you know, speech impediment type thing. And like the, someone saw Forrest Gump and was like, that's oh, what it's I'm gonna e do. it's like, even like more than Forrest Gump, oh boy, and like the whole time he has like one of his arms like this, you oh, know, no. like up against him. Uh, it, it's very, it's not a very like sensitive. Hand it's hand not hand. a very sensitive portrayal of a of a intellectually disabled person, and it's uh, yeah, it's very uh, <laughs> it's very like middle schooler uh, impression mm. level, but like done seriously, like. I mean, I don't fault the actor. I fault more Getty for his direction because it's not very good. And I'm sure the actor was just doing the best he could. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, because uh, yeah, it sounds like Getty was so controlling that, like, if he wanted it to be yeah. better, he would have made it better. Yes, so absolutely. So we can't really fault the actor, yeah. So, uh, you know, he's like, they're having a picnic. Our main character, whose name is Dennis, um, mentions how he, like, likes this girl that works at the ice cream store. Um, so, you know, they go to the ice cream store to get ice cream and, um, you know, he walks Dennis and the brother and the girlfriend walk in and Dennis is like, it's nice to see you. I think Denise, I can't remember. I don't remember what it is, Dennis but and Denise. I, I don't remember. I don't know if that was her name, but then the girl, the hot ice cream store girl is like, of course, it's nice to see me. I'm outstandingly hot. And it's like, oh man, that's how women talk. That's uh, Okay. I'm getting incel vibes already. Yeah. Um, so they get ice cream. Meanwhile, you know, next thing, they're back at the house in the uh, in Dennis's bedroom where, you know, there's like hamster tubes all over the room and oh, like yeah, toy, yeah. like robots and robot Perfect. toys and stuff. But then the brother is like, hey, I got you a surprise, buddy. It's this and it's this mirror. It's the same mirror from the dream the night previously that he was looking in. It's a really creepy mirror. It's like a big, like person height wooden mirror like that's the whole length of a person and then at the very top there's like an angel like holding on to a cross like like he's being dragged to hell or something Jesus. it's a very creepy mirror uh and of course dennis is like no i don't want this mirror in my room why does it need to be here and the brother whose name we'll find out is john is like it goes with the wood of the walls. Don't you see that, Dennis? Just try it out for a couple of days. It's a, This mirror is great. It's great for your room. And it's like the brother is like weirdly like intentional about wanting this mirror in Dennis's room. And it's never explained or given a reason why, like really why. But the brother is just like, Dennis, this, this is really great. Yeah. This mirror needs to be in your room. Uh, uh, he talks about how he found the mirror in this like prohibition era cellar under the house, which that was the room that Dennis right. was in in his dream. 
Uh, and then Dennis is like, prohibition, what's that? And then the brother goes into this weird long like tangent about explaining what prohibition is as if he's like just reading the wikipedia article and then he like goes into a 10 minute tangent on how that gave way to nascar and how nascar is the greatest sport of all time and he's just like why does this have anything to do with this mirror it feels like that he doesn't go into that much detail but it's very much like him reading the definition of what prohibition is is in the script in the early 1900s the united states senate and like um so you know they're like uh the brother john is like he he really hates the hamsters and he really wants the mirror in Dennis's room for some reason and is like, just put up with it for, for a couple days and if you really still don't like it, then we'll get rid of it. Dennis is like, okay, whatever, fine. Uh, so Dennis starts like, at first he doesn't like the mirror, but when John and the girlfriend leave the room, he kind of looks in the mirror and then he starts like talking to himself in the mirror as if the person, the Dennis in the mirror is like a different Dennis. Okay. And the different Dennis in the mirror sounds like much more eloquent and like smarter oh, like and well-smoking. Yeah. Uh, and like, there's some weird part where like the, the Dennis in the mirror like tells a joke that starts with like, this train hit a dog right in the ass. <laughs> I don't starts remember. With that? I don't. Yeah, it's just like he he like starts with that, and I was really confused because it's not set up like a joke. Like he's telling a joke. He just says that, and I don't remember what the rest of the joke is. I just remember the character saying, "This train hit a dog right in its ass." Damn, it's a big dog. Uh, so you know, Dennis is just in there, kind of talking to his mirror self, and they're telling bad, stupid jokes. Um, downstairs, the brothers like. The brother is very, like, obviously, like, fed up with Dennis and is, like, explaining to the girlfriend about it. And the girlfriend's like, why don't you just put him in a hospital? And he's like, I want to put him in a private hospital, not that public hospital. You know, those public hospitals are terrible, but I don't have the money for a private hospital. That's why I'm trying to make his room nicer so he can sell this house, uh, apparently. Which, like, even though that thread is, like, not really ever followed up, the house selling part, the part about wanting Dennis to get, like, get rid of Dennis, sort of, yeah, yeah. is followed up. Then we get a knock or a ring at the door, and John goes to it. John, the brother. Yeah, like that. Uh, and it's, like, a social service lady. Um, and she's like, you know, there's rumors that you've been, you know, uh, having, losing your temper with Dennis, and we came to, we came by on a, on a check. And, like, the, uh, the, uh, this was at the point when I realized that Dennis is supposed to be like mentally challenged and is not just like doing a weird accent. Oh, uh, okay, okay. But uh, you know, he the brother John refuses to like uh, put you know Dennis in a state hospital because the, the the social services lady, and um, the social services lady is very characterized as like evil and like she wants to steal Dennis away from from John. Of course, and she's she's characterized like every line of dialogue is like she's like cold and calculating like she's taking joy out of it like Like she might as well be like tapping her fingers like yeah yes yeah and on top of that she she says the this whole movie's like view of like um like a mentally challenged person people is very like messed up and like for instance this line by the by the social security social security social services lady she says quote, taking care of a mentally challenged person just wears on you and wears on you. Like, as if, like, it's inevitable that anyone who has a mentally challenged person that they're, like, is in their life or family or is being taken care of, it's, like, guaranteed to, like, eventually, like, be too much, which is, like, a really weird, like, notion, like, bad notion. So, yeah, uh, the brother, the brother is kind of obviously, like, 
you know, he, he basically like pushes the, not literally, but you know, gets the, the social services lady out the door and she's like, I'll be back though. So, you know, you better be careful. Uh, we then, your step boy. basically, uh, we see the brother and he's like at his therapist and he's talking about how, uh, like, uh, Dennis is, is sucking the life out of, out of me. And, uh, you know, I just can't handle it anymore. And it's all about how, like, basically like Dennis is like a burden on everyone, specifically on John. John sounds like a coward. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, meanwhile, uh, Mirror Dennis is talking. Dennison is talking to his reflection self, and the f- Dennison the reflection seems to like be like really violent. Where he's like drawing, like Dennis is drawing a picture, and the mirror self is like making Dennis like make the picture into like a violent thing. Uh, so you know, like weird, like violent stuff from the mirror, the reflection Dennis. Um, meanwhile, uh, John and his girlfriend are out at dinner. Uh, and the girlfriend is kind of mad that John, um, like, won't marry her. And he's too focused on Dennis. She's like, why won't you marry me? All you'd ever do is spend time with your brother. It's like, why don't you focus on me ever? And it's like, come on, lady. Yeah, he's, he's, like, caring for his mentally challenged brother. Right, like, like, he's doing a good thing. Don't be so fucking selfish. Uh, meanwhile, Dennis, um, Dennis's like mirror self is like convinces real Dennis that like they want to get rid of him the, you know that he's just a burden and that Dennis uh you know Dennis is, all he is to them is like you know a burden and a, and a hassle and so when when John and the girlfriend get home and they're kind of in the middle of kissing and stuff Dennis kind of cocks block them because he like runs downstairs and is like you know am I you know am I a worthless am, I think he you know He's like, am I, am I a worthless, stupid idiot that's, you know, like ruining your life? And they're like, of course you're not, you know. Meanwhile, Dennis uh, goes back upstairs and he thinks he's entering his room when he actually ends up in a hall of mirrors, which John, uh, John Giddy, uh, Andrew Giddy actually built like a hall of mirrors in his house for, for this one scene. So Dennis is like trapped in a hall of mirrors. He sees the ghoul from his dreams in the mirrors and the ghoul is like biting off his own fingers and then he in the mirror the ghoul slits uh dennis's throat but not like real dennis just like the reflection in the mirror and then dennis wakes up it was all a dream uh sequence um so these dream sequences really just come in without warning huh yes it's very much like blending of dream and reality Uh, i'm seeing a theme yes uh dennis talks to his brother about dreams and is like Dennis says he thinks someone must be controlling his dreams because dreams come from your own mind, but he doesn't know how any of these things are coming from his own mind. So his dreams must be being controlled by some sort of, uh, of storyteller. And at that moment, like the brother turns around and transforms into the ghoul. And it turns out that Dennis is still asleep. Oh God. Um, this whole, no. I- this whole idea though, of like your dreams being controlled by someone else. That's like the whole thing that was like that, that Getty actually like, thought in his childhood like he thought all these nightmares he were ha- he was having were like being controlled by someone like a storyteller or like a you know some sort of force and so that's oh. where a lot of the impetus for this film uh, came in okay um so meanwhile dennis wakes up from this dream where his brother turned into the ghoul uh and he realizes it was still a dream he falls out of the bed and he's like having trouble moving and he's screaming and he can't uh he can't move and he's suddenly scared, but it's just his mirror self who, uh, who scared him. But his mirror self is like, I want to make you not scared anymore, Dennis. I want to make you, I want to fix your brain. Uh, and 
Dennis is like, what? There's no way, you know, this is just how I am. And the mirror self is like, no, there's a way. There's a test. You got to follow their clues. They think you're too dumb to follow the clues, but you're not. And Dennis is like, what, what the heck are you talking about? And the mirror self is like, you have to go and get, you know, the cat next door. You got to go kill the cat. Uh, and oh Den God. Dennis is like, why do I have to kill the cat? And the mirror self is like, because you, you know, everyone eats meat, right? And Dennis is like, yeah, well, if it's okay to kill animals for meat, why can't you go kill the cat next door? You have to go kill the cat to prove that you know the rule about not killing animals is just false. That will show them how smart you are, Dennis. So basically, like, the mirror self is, like, warping Dennis's mind with this, like, you know, ridiculous logic of, like, you know, you have to do these things I tell you to prove to them how smart you are so they won't get rid of you to prove that you're, you know, not a, you know, not worthless it sounds like all it's gonna do is get them rid of him faster <laughs> good point uh so yeah i think i don't think mirror dennis's motives are very pure mm, yeah that's, I, that's I, a good guess i'm beginning to think that he doesn't have the most wholesome motives with real dennis you're the people that have the most wholesome motives don't want to go around killing cats i wouldn't think so not normally oh shit i, I gotta get rid of some people in my life <laughs> oh god i'm just kidding we're coming for you, John Robert, you cat killer. <laughs> uh, inside friend jokes. Always good for a growing podcast. Always good. <laughs> Always good for, for audience retention. So, Dennis goes out and gets the neighborhood cat, and we see him with scissors, and it cuts to black right before he stabs it, but it's implied that he kills the cat. Uh, we see uh, that he's hiding them in his room inside, like, a cooler filled with ice. The cat? He's hiding, like, mul he has, like, multiple, like, cats and dogs in this cooler that he's killed. That's a big cooler. Yeah. And so, uh, it's clear, though, he's going to start taxidermying them, because he has all these, like, books on tape, one of which is taxidermy. So, meanwhile, John comes home, and Dennis is down in, like, the secret basement, speakeasy room, uh, working on something. Uh, but he won't show John. He's like, it's a surprise. You can't come in. You can't Wait, see. Dennis, well, he's like mentally challenged, but I believe he's supposed to be in his like mid twenties. Oh, well, sorry, sorry, sorry. So John is like, "What's going on in there, buddy?" He's like, "I didn't know you ever did carpentry because he's all dressed in like a jumpsuit with like a tool belt and oh, stuff." Nice, nice. Uh, and Dennis is like, "Oh no, no, you can't see it. It's a surprise." John starts getting suspicious because he sees these books on tape about like taxidermy and like butchering and like forensics and like stuff like that. And he's kind of concerned. And Dennis is like, oh, no, no, uh, those aren't mine. They accidentally switched what I ordered up with someone else. So those aren't actually mine. So that puts John at ease. John goes out with the girlfriend. Uh, and Dennis goes back into his little his little basement lair. Um, meanwhile, at dinner with the girlfriend, John's, you know, he's actually, like, proud of Dennis. He's like, yeah, I didn't know Dennis was ever had an interest in, like, woodworking and a hobby. That's really great. Maybe he can even get a job. You know, maybe he found something he's good at. Um, and so, you know, he's like, oh, and I have a gift for you. It's like, I know, I know to the girlfriend, I know you've, you know, I know you've been feeling neglected by me, but yeah, I'll always love you. You know, you mean the world to me. I wanted to give this to you. And he gives her like a little box and she opens it up and it's earrings. And he's like, I got you these nice earrings, but the girlfriend's obviously upset because she thought he was proposing to her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ah, oh, he's a goober. Yeah, real goober. Uh, meanwhile, goober energy. Yeah, meanwhile, Dennis, uh, back at the house, this is later, Dennis is up in his room, and he's watching this uh, video on how female spiders 
um, like uh, like kill the kill, kill the males after after good. See, you, you're catching on. You're catching on. You're catching getting on. It. Uh, eating kill the males uh, after they mate, and wait, it's wait, like so. Is he worried that John's girlfriend's gonna kill him? I don't think he's worried she's killing him. I think she, he's worried that it's like oh she's like draining the life out of him. Like you know she's taking him away from me, kind of a thing. Um, so. You know, it's kind of like a juxtaposition thing and about the marriage and all that. Uh, but then Dennis falls asleep and he has a nightmare. And this is a really fun scene or clip part. Ooh. A giant spider, he like falls asleep and all of a sudden there's like a giant spider in his room. And the spider like sticks its fangs into Dennis. And like even though this is not how spiders work, it's how mosquitoes work. The like spider sticks his fangs into Dennis and like sucks all of like the blood or whatever out of Dennis. And there's a really fun, like practical effect where it's like Dennis, like shriveling up like a raisin, like, like he's that. getting all the like liquid sucked out of him. It's a very fun effect. It's like, obviously like, you know, like an effect and you can tell that it's not real, but it's like a fun little, one. right. Right. Cause like, I mean, I do have to give it to, you know, Getty where it's like, there are some fun, like visuals, like creative visuals. Yeah, I like he did like a decent job. From what you're telling me, yeah, we'll get into this like more after after I re after I you know finish with the plot. But there's definitely some fun stuff. Um, so Dennis has this dream, um, uh, and so you know the spider like sucks him dry, and the ghoul is like suddenly in Dennis's room again. Um, of course, I, the ghoul is played by Michael Beardman, who I mentioned earlier. Right. Um, the ghoul is like you know. Uh, I'll let you wake up if you if you do a job for me. And uh, like I need you to kill all the cats and dogs in the neighborhood. <laughs> well, and the ghoul is for you. The ghoul is like you know I'll let you wake up. I'll stop the nightmares if you do a job for me. But if you don't, I'll make everything even worse. You haven't even begun to see how bad it can get. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, the ghoul all of a sudden turns in to the mirror version of Dennis, and it and Dennis wakes up. And but Dennis doesn't like make the connection about the mirror Dennis. He oh. and mirror Dennis is like, hey, next step, Dennis, to prove you're smart to them. You know what you got to do? You got to go out and kill a child <laughs> to prove you're not stupid. And Dennis so is this like, this is the ghoul. Like mirror yeah. Dennis is the ghoul. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Word. Uh, wow. And, and Dennis so is like, why? Why do I have to kill a child? What? No, I'm not gonna do that. And mirror Dennis is like, all Dennis is like pussy. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not a bitch. Mirror Dennis is like, all killing isn't bad, Dennis. You don't realize it, but half the time that meat you're eating when you eat meat, that's kids. People have kids for dinner all the time. They just don't tell you about it. He basically is like, everyone eats and kills little kids. It's like a normal thing, Dennis. You're just to prove you have to prove to them. You're weird that you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, it's like. Uh, you don't eat kids, uh, weirdo. <laughs> well, get of this guy. It, yeah, you can't sit with us. It's basically, it's basically the, uh, you know, this is like the conversations they have at at the at the Oscars in between the commercials. Right, where it's they talk like, about their favorite recipe. Someone goes up to Spielberg. Movies. Yeah, someone goes up to Spielberg, and and Spielberg's like, "Have you tried that new kid meat place yet?" Like, what are you talking about? And everyone's like, "You don't eat kids. This guy, am I right? Wow. Talk about amateur." And then they eat him. Yeah. This is what they talk about, like, at the White House um, yeah, on lunch break. Yeah, this is the Hollywood elite. When they bring out their child meat sandwiches. The coastal elites yeah. and their ivory towers full of dead kids. Full of them. To the brim. That's, That's why, why the they're towers. towers. Yeah. Oh, my God. See, we're wow. on. We're we get it. Sympathetic. because our heads are in the zeitgeist. I know. We know what we're talking about. Um, so, yeah. So, Dennis has to go out and kill and eat a little kid. 
Um, so <laughs> we see the next scene, there's like a kid in a park on a swing and we see Dennis like creepily watching him from like behind a tree. And Dennis has like a very clear, like prop fake rubber knife. Like, I'm pretty sure we had the same, like, prop rubber knife in, like, high school theater. No. I, like, it's, like, the same prop rubber knife what that, like, everyone had. the same one? Yeah, they got. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's very clearly, like, a fake knife, yeah, okay. which is funny. Um, so, Dennis runs up and he, like, kills the kid All in the park. All practical effects and they couldn't have splurged on a retractable I knife. Know, like, I one know. of those spring ones. Uh, you don't actually see him stabbing it, so I guess that's their thing. Yeah, they, they, like, they cut away when he's about to stab him. Um, so then we cut and we see Dennis like dragging the body back into the basement, but we see that like, oh, this, they actually jump forward in time. Cause he opens like a, like a meat locker freezer in the basement and it's already like full of other dead kids. So this is like, oh, it's, we jumped forward. He's already been killing kids. So this kid's become a serial killer. Yes. Already. Yes. Animal and serial killer. Wow. Uh, human serial killer. Right. I understand. And serial serial killer. He's murdering serial. No, it was, Getty was a serial killer with all that cereal he was eating to save money. You know what I'm <laughs> was, talking about? He was murdering NPR's cereal. <laughs> the good series uh okay. so you know back to uh john and his therapists are like at like a restaurant like outside on the patio and this we kind of realize that like oh they're not only like he's not only the therapist but they like know each other i guess they're buds. And, yeah and the therapist is like look i want you to come to therapy more but you know we don't have to do a real session just come you know a couple times a week meet me here for lunch the lunch is on me as long as we talk about whatever I want us to talk about. You can't, like, put up walls. And John's like, okay, fine. Uh, meanwhile, Mirror Dennis is, like, uh, kind of reveals himself. Well, not reveals himself, but Mirror Dennis literally says the, like, because, um, like, Dennis asks who he is, and Mirror Dennis literally says the, like, I am Legion. Uh, you know, I, I, I am Mini, I am Legion, you know, like, thing from the Bible. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and... Uh, Mira Dennis is like, you'd be happy where I am in the dark place. You, The rest of your life here, you'd be happy. And I'd be happy in the real world. Uh, and we can switch places as long as you keep killing people, Dennis. Um, so that's kind of the thing. And, and, and Mira Dennis, a.k.a. Legion, is like, let me show you my true form. And put the mirror up against this other mirror so that it creates one of those, like, you know, things yeah, where it's, yeah, like, yeah. endless hall. And, like, he does that, and all of a sudden, like, halfway back, Mirror Dennis transforms, and he shows that he's actually the ghoul. Uh, and he's like, next, we have to kill... He's like, uh, you know what you have to do next, Dennis? Sus oh, it's Susan, that's what it is. The girl from the ice cream shop. You know, like, she would never... You, you, you like her, right, Dennis? Well, she would never have sex with you. She would never have sex with, like, a freak you know, idiot like you, but you know who she would have sex with? She would fuck a serial killer. And this, <laughs> literally. Like a Ted Bundy ass. Yeah. Logic. Well, like, he's like, he's like, he's what? like, as you kill, you know, as you killed her, she'd be screaming in terror, but she would be turned on. She, she'd fuck a serial killer, Dennis. Um, and so Dennis is like, okay. Ah. So Dennis goes to the ice cream shop and is like, Hey, I've been carrying around this notebook, Susan writing down thoughts I have. And she's like, you can read and write. And he's like, no, but I've been having other people write the notes for me. And she's like, oh, okay. And he's like, well, you write a note. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, I, Susan, like love Dennis and think he's so hot. And this kind of like starts creeping out Susan. 
Uh, and Susan's like, I'm not going to write this, Dennis. I mean, like, this isn't funny anymore. And so Dennis runs out of the store and he's upset. And Susan, but then all of a sudden Susan hears like noise in the back and she goes to investigate. And next thing you know, after some false, you know, false lead jumps, uh, false leads, like where she opens the thing and nothing's in it. All of a sudden she opens a cabinet and like Dennis like swings out and flips and does like a flip and Ooh. is like chases after her and chases her into the, st out of the kitchen and into the store um, and then literally, uh, Susan like runs out away from him into the street and gets hit by a bus. <laughs> oh, so Susan's dead and Dennis kind of like, just like sneaks out the back. He's like, finally. Yeah. Uh, Jesus. yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, John, uh, is having like this meeting with his therapist, uh, like at the food place at the on the patio and we see not only is the girlfriend kind of there at the bar like secretly watching john but the social security lady is too services so, so services i keep saying social security she's really there for their retirement money she wants their retirement money and she'll get it um but they're both there kind of spying on john uh while john's was his therapist uh but then the the girlfriend kind of runs into john and she he's like what are you doing were you spying on me and the girlfriend's like no i just came because uh i need you to give me a ride which i don't understand how that john how did you get there yeah i don't know but john buys it because apparently john's a dumbass uh but john and the girlfriend uh they get back to the place and the girlfriend's like you know what i've been doing some thinking uh it's like um i'm gonna make this work i want to i want to i want to be here for you and Dennis, and they get to the place, and the girlfriend and John are like, guess what, Dennis, you know, we're going to do whatever you want tonight, you know, you get to, you get to, like, I'm going to kill kids, and yeah, it's like, like, no, not help bad. me kill children, uh, but no, Dennis is like, all right, he doesn't say it, but they cut, and they like go to this like seafood restaurant, well, it's like, okay, it's like Chuck E. Cheese, but it's like, like, boat themed Chuck E. Cheese, so like all the waiters are in like little sailor uniforms, I love that. and uh, if you could, uh, as that goes, this is the scene where there's like an animatronic band on stage, hence Octopus playing the drums. I love that. Uh, I and love that a lot. Dennis and the brother even have like a conversation where like uh, Dennis is like, how did they get the octopus to play drums? And the brother explains how like, you know, it's like the little like pulley system where the pulley is like off axis so that it like goes up and down as it rotates. And so therefore like the string gets pulled up and down as the pulley or the wheel rotates on the axis. Uh, they go into detail about that, which is strange, but comes back into play later. Um, and Dennis, Dennis is... Dennis hangs eight people at once with that setup. Well, we'll see. Uh, so Dennis is like, I'm going to go to the bathroom. While he's in the bathroom, he like violently stabs and murders a guy. Of course. Uh, and then he's like in the mirror and he's like, what, what are you making me do? And the mirror, Dennis, you know, AKA Legion is like, you're addicted to killing Dennis. And, and the only way... The only way you can feel better is you have to you have to up your killing. You have to start killing those close to you to feel even better. Uh, and so Dennis is like, um, you know, you're tricking me. I don't believe you anymore. And the the mirror Dennis, aka Legion, is like, if you don't obey, I'll make the nightmares even worse until you die. I'll kill you. Uh, and so Dennis is freaked out, and he runs into the hall, and he sees Susan all of a sudden. He's like, I thought you were dead. And she's like, no, I'm I'm fine. Look look how good I am. Like, the car barely even hurt me. You don't even see any bruises. And she starts getting naked and in the hallway of this restaurant, and it's like, look, Dennis, there's nothing wrong with me. I look completely fine, don't I? And then all of a sudden, once she's uh, 
talking to him, it starts getting creepier. And Susan, like, flips over kind of like the Exorcist, like, crab walk thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But instead, it's very clear they did, like, a special effect where it's, like, it's actually her doing, like, this, like, walking on all fours. And then they just, like, did, like, prosthetics on her back to make it look like it was her torso. Oh, that's weird. It's really creepy, though. Like, it's, like, it's clearly an effect. Jesus. I freaked you. It's really my computer. I know this is my computer, uh, but it's a really creepy effect. It actually works well. Um, it's like a brief shot, uh, and she like chases him down the hall, and it's creepy. Um, where am I? I completely lost my place. Oh yeah, uh, and um, I lost my place. <laughs> Too many notes. Uh, oh yeah, but then all of a sudden Dennis wakes up, and he's actually still been at the table. In the restaurant the whole time. He didn't actually oh, go to the like bathroom. It was another dream. Um, right. So uh, we go back to the house. And later on, it's Dennis in his room. And he's talking to Legion in the mirror. And he's like, I, you know, if, you, if you're going to use your, my nightmares to scare me and control me, I just won't sleep. Uh, and Legion's like, well, you know, you know what happens when you don't sleep. You eventually fall asleep. You get tired and you fall asleep. You can't just be up forever. That's true. And so Dennis tries to stay awake. He puts the TV on, but it kind of like... You know, he like drifts into dreaming, and suddenly Legion, as the ghoul, is like on TV as like a news anchor. It's a very funny scene where it's like just like the ghoul version, like on TV as a news anchor. It's like next up in the news, we're gonna kill Dennis. <laughs> that has the same energy as like there's this episode of Fairly Odd Parents. I don't remember what the theme of the episode is, but I remember at one point there's like like effectively hell comes into our world, uh-huh. and like there's a home phone flying through the air and like it flies at Timmy and you hear like the automated caller voice. The, the person you are trying to reach is trying to kill you. And it's just like really like, <laughs> yeah, it's like that. Man, like weird shit. It's like that. Um, basically. And Dennis is like, uh, you know, he's obviously having trouble staying awake and it cuts to morning. He literally like gets up and starts jogging in place. And then we have like a fade where it fades to like daytime and he's still just standing there like jogging in place. Like he just stayed up all night by just jogging in place. Um, I love that. And John comes in and the girlfriend come in and they're like, what are you doing there, buddy? And he's like, oh no, I'm fine. I just woke up. I definitely got sleep. <laughs> Totally got sleep. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Um, okay, I'm looking at pictures of him in The Evil Within, and yeah, he's spooky. He's a spooky ghoul man. Michael Berryman, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good That's a good character. Yeah. Um, so, uh, meanwhile, John and the girlfriend go to, like, get coffee, and they're uh, at the patio place, and they're sitting there, and John all, all of a sudden looks over and sees, like, the therapist from behind. He's like, oh, shit, I forgot about my appointment. And he run, he, he's like, let me just go over and sit with him for a little while. And he goes over, and he, like, taps the therapist on the soldier. But instead of the therapist, like, it cuts, and the guy, like, spills his drink, and he stands up, and it's the it's uh, Michael Grigori, who I talked about earlier, who's the giant. And yeah. he's, like, way tall, and he's like, what the fuck did you just do? You made me spill my drink. Uh, and he's like, I, I, I'll fucking kill you, bitch. Uh, nice. And there's, like, some conference confrontation uh and so they're like uh oh shit sorry i didn't mean to do that um and then they oh shoot i did i did that backwards sorry that ha- that comes in a second john and the girlfriend at first though are like let's go get coffee and the weirdest line ever is spoken where they're like let's go get coffee at that ice they're like let's go to the ice cream place and get some coffee <laughs> It's just like the fact like, who goes to an ice cream shop to get coffee and they go in. Like, I guess if they serve coffee, they're cool. But like, it's not like 
ice cream shops normally serve coffee. That's what it means. Well, well, yeah, but like, uh, okay, it's like, I don't know. It's just like, who says, like, let's go to the ice cream store and get some coffee. Yeah, why would you phrase it like that? Um, so they go to the ice cream store and they think they see Susan, but then it turns around and instead of Susan in like the knit, like bikini top it's like this old it's not an old old lady but like a middle-aged lady in this bikini top and she's like oh yeah i get staken for her a lot and they're like what happened to susan and she's like oh you didn't hear she fucking died yeah hit my butt literally you know, mean girls. they're like what uh and so then they then it's then they go to the um the restaurant he thinks he sees the therapist it's actually the giant uh and the giant gets mad at him and you know john has to like de-escalate and they back off meanwhile um Dennis is like, you know, I'm killing, but I, uh, I want to stop. Please let me stop. And Legion is like, you know, you have to kill. Uh, next, you have to kill the uh, social services worker lady. That's logical. So Dennis gets a gun that John has. We've never seen it before, but apparently this whole time John has had like a gun like stashed like under the mattress on his bed. So That's Dennis the opposite of Chekhov's gun. Yeah, Dennis go. Yeah, it's, it's the opposite where all of a sudden oh there's been a gun. Uh, Dennis yeah. goes and get this gun and he like goes to the mirror and he's like I'll fucking kill myself Legion. Uh, and Legion's like, fine, if that's how you're going to be. And he like traps Dennis. He pushes Dennis inside to the mirror. And now Dennis is stuck like in the mirror dark realm and Legion is outside. Isn't that what Legion wanted this whole time? Yes. Why didn't he just do that from the beginning? Uh, apparently he didn't have the power to until now. It's not well explained. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and Dennis is like, why? Well, you said I would be happy in here. I hate this. Let me out. And Legion's like, no, I said you'd be happy for the rest of your life inside there, but you're not alive anymore. Ooh. Oh, clever. Always so, read the fine print. Always kids. read the fine print. Terms and conditions. <laughs> There's some real terms and conditions. So the social, the social services lady shows up at the house with two cops and they like come inside and they're like, you know, they're there to take Dennis away basically. Um, and all of a sudden, um, Legion, he like kills the first cop by, he like pretends to be the reflection in the mirror, um, the cop's reflection in the mirror, and then like jumps out and morphs back into the, the ghoul and it, or Dennis, I can't remember if he morphs into Dennis or the ghoul and he like stabs the cop in the neck. Nice. Uh, so that's part's nice. Um, the social services lady goes into the basement and she like hears a spooky noise and she opens one of the big freezers and we're like oh no she's gonna see all the bodies but instead it's actually dennis hiding in the the or evil dennis legion hiding in the freezer and he like pops out and he uh stabs the uh, social services lady jesus so meanwhile john and the girlfriend are like everywhere we go in town we don't know anyone it's like everyone's missing uh i don't know what's going on even though like they're in la like you don't see every, someone you know everywhere oh, they're in LA. Jesus. We then have this really weird scene. Uh, actually, first the GF's like, "What about Dennis? He had all those creepy books and stuff. What? What if he's killing people? Like it comes out of nowhere. Like this hypothesis. Like she's yeah, like, and, and John's like, Nah, no way. Well, at first they're like maybe, but then John's like, Wait a second, I see that guy. He's from the bookstore, and this random character we've never seen before is like at a cafe, and he's like, Oh, hey, John, how's it going? <laughs> I'm. He's like, Hey, man. Uh, it's good to see you. Like, uh, you know, and he's like, oh yeah, well here are Dennis's books he ordered. Uh, and it's like this, it's really awkward. Like the guy is like, he, he, the way his character acts is like completely like different. Like, it's like, he's almost like breaking the fourth wall and how like abrupt and like distanced from the rest of everything. It's he like is. The, the flower shop scene in the room where he's like, hi, Tony, you're my favorite customer. Well, this, this, uh, this bookstore guy is like, 
I don't know. He's just completely like, what's going on, guys? Why are you acting so weird? It's like, here are Dennis's books. Like, he's the only one acting normal. Yeah, and, and they're like... He's oh. the straight guy. He's the straight man. Yeah. This whole movie. He's the foil. And they're all like, uh, oh, okay. You know, I guess, I guess we're all good. And John's like, uh, you know... John reveals how Dennis is... Uh, oh, so and John and the girlfriend, after they find this guy, and they're like, oh, yeah, no, definitely those books Dennis had were the wrong books. Uh, you know, so you have nothing to worry about or whatever. Uh, and John's like, oh, thank goodness. So now they're completely like, okay, I guess we were just going, you know, crazy. I guess everything's fine. They're like gaslighting themselves. At this point, John is like, reveals... This whole time, you know, apparently, like, we supposed, we were supposed to have been wondering, why is John so dedicated to taking care of Dennis? Because apparently, like, bringing a brother just isn't enough. Apparently because not, yeah. at this point, John, like, reveals to everyone and the girlfriend how apparently Dennis was, like, a prodigy genius child uh, who was, like, you know, incredibly smart, but then him and John as children got in an argument and John accidentally pushed Dennis down the stairs and it like made Dennis like mentally challenged. So he feels Jesus. guilty. He's like, he's like, he basically like ruined Dennis's life by like Christ. crippling him, crippling his mind. Um, so the, but the girlfriend's like, you know what? I said, I wanted a family and I actually, I already have one, you and Dennis and we can be a family. So oh, the girl, timing. the girlfriend's like, let me take your car. I'm going to run home. I'll go get Dennis and then I'll bring him back here and, and we can all go to the seafood Chuck E. Cheese place. Um, so she leaves. Meanwhile, the bookstore guy who's kind of just been weirdly sitting in the background this whole time, uh, walks up to John and is like, Oh yeah, here are the books Dennis ordered. And, but then he reveals like, Oh wait, no, Dennis actually did order those books. I thought you were confused. And John's like, Oh no, Dennis is the killer. Ah, he puts oh, okay. it together. And so John because having books about taxidermy and butchery is like damning evidence. Apparently. So John's like, somebody called the cops and John rushes off. The girlfriend arrives back at the house oh, no. and she hears like a baby crying. So she like, walks around and she finds this like creepy old carriage and she leans in to look at the baby but like somehow like evil dennis was like morphed as a baby and he like jumps out of the carriage and like attacks her nice and he stabs her uh and john is like in a taxi but there's traffic and he can't get home uh, we cut to the basement where Dennis has the girlfriend like chained up and all of a sudden she's like half alive still and he start he takes a drill and is like drilling holes into her brain while she's alive well, and like you, just real quick. he drills a hole in her brain and then takes a fire extinguisher and like sprays the fire extinguisher into her brain and so like no I'm not an expert that'll kill you yeah then she dies and like blood splits out of her mouth and it's very crazy John finally arrives home and he finds a sign in Dennis's room saying like showtime in one minute and attached to that sign is like a is like a rope so that John follows the rope and it leads all the way down into the basement and then there's a red chair that says like uh you know sit here uh and so John sits in the chair the lights go off all of a sudden evil Dennis slash Legion is on the stage and he has the girlfriend like sitting on his knee and he's like basically like made her into like a puppet where it's like her corpse and he's using her as a puppet uh and he's basically um uh we see john like freak out and he's trying to get up but like apparently there was glue on the chair so he can't get up he's literally like he's literally like stuck to the chair like a looney tunes character um it's a classic move classic evil dennis yeah so uh dennis is like basically monologuing about like how you know 
how much he hates John and how or it's not actually Dennis is the evil Dennis. And he's monologuing about how like, Oh, I hate you. You know, this is my vengeance for, for ruining my life and all this stuff. The, the rest of the stage, like a curtain opens up and there's all these, like uh, all the little kids and dead people are all being like marionette, like puppeteered by like the thing, the same thing as the octopus that it's like a callback, but they're all like dead body puppets. Um, in like a re and it like retells like John pushing uh, Dennis down the stairs and then now like the therapist is dead and he's a puppet and it like shows the therapist like you know like diagnosing Dennis as like you know now being mentally challenged um, and uh, suddenly the this part's really weird the social the social services lady is like comes out and like now it's like her head on a giant spider body for some reason of course uh, and. Um, all of a sudden, like, all the bodies that, that are in the freezers rise up, and it's unclear if they're, like, puppets, too, or, like, now it's, like, zombies or what's going on. All of a sudden, John breaks free from the chair, and he has the gun in his hand this whole time, and he shoots himself in the head and kills himself. Oh, well, um, that's honestly the best move. I'll yeah, be it's a good move. And then, all of a sudden, we think the spider lady is like attacking Dennis but then it cuts and we see that it actually like the cops have burst in and they're arresting him and you know handcuffing him and then we cut and we get a final scene and Dennis is in like a, in a straitjacket in like a padded room at like a mental hospital yeah, and he's fake, like he's like uh what all that was fake no man. no no it's real and he's well, like I mean, he killed the people oh yeah like it wasn't because of it wasn't a ghoul version of him killing people it well was. it's unclear because he's in the mental hospital and he's locked up and he looks in the mirror and it's like that his real self is like in the mirror and he's like trapped there forever and he can't get out and he's like stuck in the dark place and like evil dennis has like basically like doomed him and you know the end certainly an original concept for a movie like it's like props to that i think yeah like it's i don't know obviously i don't watch a lot of horror but like that's that seems like pretty pretty damn unique yeah there are definitely flaws in this movie as i said a lot of the sure. acting's really bad especially all of the like main guy playing a mentally challenged character yeah, comes off just... as very poor taste um, but that being said, a lot of the stuff that does work is just this really kind of like, it's a very like creatively driven and specific vision in terms of all of the like effects and the weird like dream sequences and stuff that it's very compelling in it's just, it's completely like from an outsider making what he wants to make kind of a thing. Yeah. Which at this point I wanted to go in and talk about the themes and kind of my interpretation of the film. Okay. And so first, I think there really is this strong need about um, having a need for, like, artistic catharsis or, like, achievement to, like, prove yourself. Like how Dennis, this whole time, is, like, wanting to prove that he's actually smart. Yeah. And he does that through the killing and everything. But, like, I think the killing and stuff, that almost can work as, like, a metaphor for, like, the artistic process and him trying, like, his best to, like you know use this 
thing to like express himself even though it ultimately fails which you could even then tie into the fact that andrew getty died before this was finished and it failed for him yeah in a way but uh so i think that's definitely a strong yeah, that's theme but what i really wanted to talk about here was this idea basically that's really tied into the fact that this movie is made by Andrew Getty, who's tied into this family and this wealth in this society that I think this movie, at least to me, it reads as having this like hatred and disdain for not only his family, but like his, his class and that there are this, these feelings it's like self-hatred for the situation he was born into. Yeah. Yeah. And like this feeling of inadequacy that's kind of fueling that self-hatred. And I think there's actually good reason because let me go into back. Do you know anything about J. Paul Getty? No. And his life? Well, okay. So, I, as I said, at one point, J. Paul Getty, you know, of Getty Oil and, uh, Empire, was the richest man in the country. Right. $26 billion. In, I want to say, this was like late 60s, early 70s, his grandson, J. Paul Getty III, is kidnapped. This actually happened. His grandson j paul getty the third is kidnapped why does it sound so familiar well it's a very famous case and they even made that movie where they switched out kevin spacey for um christopher Plummer. they made a movie about it a couple years ago um so j paul getty the third is kidnapped the grant the kidnappers don't want to they didn't just do it to kill they're doing it for ransom money they want 17 million dollars and the father of j paul getty the third can't pay because J. Paul Getty Sr. had cut him off completely because of his drug use and involvement with people that he didn't like. So the father can't pay it, so they asked J. Paul Getty Sr., you know, you're the richest man, basically, and you're his grandfather. Will you pay this ransom? But J. Paul Getty was like, no, I won't. It, you know, like, it will set a bad precedent. He's basically, I can't remember the exact quote, but he's like, if I pay $14 million to get my grandson back, then I'll have seven more grandchildren who are going to be kidnapped. Basically, like, I'm not going to pay this because then everyone's yeah, going to yeah, try yeah. to get money out of me. Um, so he literally wouldn't pay the ransom for his own grandchild. The kidnappers then send a box with J. Paul Getty III's ear in it as like a hurry up, you need to pay or we'll fucking kill him. After multiple months of, like, this kidnapping taking place, they come to the conclusion, they come to the agreement that J. Paul Getty Sr. will pay $2.2 million, uh, as, and the son, who is estranged, will, as long as the son pays J. Paul Getty back, like, half of that plus interest uh, for his own grandson who's been kidnapped. So J. Paul Getty does this. He finally pays. They finally get the... Um, grandson back who at this point uh, his he suffered like really bad infection from them cutting off the ear and to numb the pain they basically had him like drunk those entire months after they cut his ear off how old was this kid um, he was like a teenager like okay. a young teenager but so he was malnourished he was basically they basically used booze to like numb his pain from this infection from his ear, which, yeah, which then like he kept drinking because he was basically like addicted. He was an alcoholic at that point. So he continued drinking, uh, obviously also missing an ear. This would later lead to, uh, him, him having a stroke and then dying at age 54. 
The stroke completely immobilized him, and then a couple years later, he died. Jesus. Uh, once Upon getting back safely, he wanted to thank his grandfather, but J. Paul Getty would not, like, pick up the phone or, or like, say, or, like, let him thank him. Um, so, like, you know, it's said even J. Paul Getty had a payphone in his house. The richest man in the United States at the time had a payphone in his mansion that he made guests and, and workers use because he wouldn't let them make calls for free. What the fuck? Uh, he, he didn't attend one of his son's wedding, nor did he attend the funeral for his 12-year-old son who died of cancer. Uh, he even complained while the son was still alive about the medical treatment costs that they were having to pay for his son with cancer. Even though he was the richest man, he was incredibly, like, every cent mattered to him. And he was incredibly greedy. That's insane. Uh, there's also, so, even with Getty, Andrew Getty himself dying, it's not unprecedented, as I said, of Getty, you know, relatives to die. As I said, the uh, Getty III died from, you know, the stroke because of all the alcohol right. and stuff and then died at 54. But George, the first son died at 49 of an overdose because it said he was working himself so hard to try to please his father. He was just doing a copious amount of drugs that then led to an overdose. And even the second son of the family was disowned. So basically it's cursed, huh? Well, it's not cursed. I think I, I just, I, I can't imagine Get Andrew Getty, he spent all of his own money to make this movie. And at one point, someone was like, why don't you ask your family for more money? And he's like, no, my father's very conservative. There's no way he'll give me money for this. He wouldn't even try to ask his family for money. And I think this goes into the fact that, like, I think Andrew Getty had a real hatred and disdain for his family and class. And I think that that comes out in the movie, yeah. even though that it's not explicitly stated that John and all these others are like wealthy, they live in this nice house and it's all about yeah. them hating and feeling and, and wanting to get rid of and being burdened by this child, by Dennis, who yeah, has a, yeah. who has a, you know, who has a problem in this case, uh, mentally challenged, but for, for, uh, Andrew Getty, obviously he had addiction problems and he had all this artistic, feelings pent up from childhood that he needed to express so i think there's a large theme here about hating and this movie almost being a catharsis about him being like i wish i could not not necessarily like he wishes he could kill his family but I being like an of expression of this inner struggle yeah and i mean look i obviously the funny the funny thematic thing i could go here is being like well and of course it's Andrew Getty telling us that, that, that the wealthy and the rich kill people and eat children because... Right, right. You could go into that. Well, I mean, it's not it's not insane. I mean, it is pretty f strange and funny that a movie made by an oil heir has an explicit moment where a character talks about how everyone eats and kills children and it's completely normal. I mean, that's not like... It's not not weird that that's in no, it. No, that is actually... That, yeah, no, that's weird as shit now that I you mean, like, mentioned that. I mean, not to get too conspiratorial, but, like, I definitely think... I mean, that can tie back into what I've been talking about. I think Getty has a real hatred for this upper-crust class, and they're just banal, like, you know, nihilistic cruelty where they just they're do like not care. their attitude about life. Yeah, about other, about about other people. Life. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a totally valid reading and that's really what i got out of it is this guy who grew up and has lived in the upper crust the high born class of america really kind of rebelling out and saying like you know i'm going to use art to express the trauma you've imparted on me 
because you are all are heartless fucking monsters. Jesus. So, like, yeah, this movie's really interesting because I, no, I, it's not, there are a lot of things about it that are not good and almost are like, I, I the best way I've seen this movie describe, and I, and I agree, it's like Neil Breen meets David Lynch. Where it's oh. like, it definitely has like the hubris of like a Neil Breen, where sure. it's very much like Andrew Getty had a vision and no one was going to stop him. He was going to yeah, use yeah. all of his money. He wanted it his way, no matter what, no matter who knew better, no matter what professionals would have told him to do. You know, he bought all of the equipment. He, he was doing it his way, no matter what. It, you know, which you can definitely make the point, which, respect that. you know, but at the same time, he kind of, it's not like he's just completely talentless, like someone like Tommy Wiseau or Neil Breen, etc. He actually, Andrew Getty actually seems to have some interesting, creative, you know, Definitely experimental ideas. Take on this genre. Like that's where the David Lynch part comes in, because obviously David Lynch is very like driven artistically. Um, so it's this weird marriage between someone we would typically see make like completely awful schlock, like you know, past, you know, like. Uh, ego project meets someone who also though actually did have somewhat of a creative vision even if he was kind of amateurish and didn't have all the abilities to maybe do it to the best level possible yeah it's just it, it yeah it's interesting and and i and i said this on i made a log for this on letterbox and i said like how part of me is frustrated where it's like thinking of all of the artists out there who are like legitimately really good creatives and artists who will never get the chance to make something with yeah. this amount of money. And it kind of does irk me that like, Oh, well he had, you know, it's four to $6 million that he could just do and use for this, you know, regardless of how well it went. Yeah. But at the same time, like it, 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 it can argue that this movie fucking killed him. So like he did pay a price for it. Like it's, it's not like he, he was, it wasn't effortless. Yeah. It, it's like he, it's not like he was just like completely, you know, able to just like jack off and do whatever he wanted. Like he put a lot into this movie. Yeah. Um, I also like back on themes of the movie relating to his life, the thing about like avoiding your therapist and like, yeah, like, I have to wonder if he had, like, a therapist that he was, like, trying to work through this trauma with. And, like, he knew that he should be going to them more. And so in the movie, he's, like, including themes of, like, please go to my thing. Please come back to me and, le and let me yeah. guide the conversation. Stop putting up wall. Like, that's him. Like, that sounds that's, like it's about I, him. I hadn't even thought of that because, yeah, I had been thinking more of... of, of of Andrew Getty in light of like Dennis's perspective, but I didn't think about him, his perspective as John. I think it's possible to do out. I, like, I definitely, like, no, yeah, no, I definitely it, yeah. think that's the best way to look at it. Um, like and I had parts of himself in yeah. his family and he hates that. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I like that. I hadn't thought of that. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting how like, yeah, I mean like, and a lot of this, like I said, is influenced from literally like, creative ideas he had from nightmares as a child like this whole idea this of like this whole idea of like this like ghoul character and like nightmares and sleep paralysis type stuff that's all like directly from his childhood that he then combined with the whole as i mentioned son of sam berkowitz thing where obviously berkowitz was like uh oh my dog you know was possessed and told me to kill you know right. that kind of thing which obviously was later kind of like debunked and found to just be his like court excuse but i mean that's kind of where he gets the whole like being told by a force to go and kill but it's yeah it's just a lot of 
everything about this movie is interesting from the background of it being made to the actual movie and how weird it is and all of the weird visuals and all of the weird moments that yeah. like don't go anywhere and just kind of happen and like you're left wondering what why what what was that why is that in it to like we just said all of these themes you can read into the movie about Getty's own personal life and his family and his class is just multiple levels on this thing of, of it just being vastly interesting that's like this is like one of the more interesting movies we've talked about oh definitely like, from from like bottom to top like it's a wild ride yeah and so you know if you're into movies with like really interesting backgrounds this is a good movie for you if you're into horror movies in general i'd say it's worth watching just to see this really kind of unique vision if you're into even sort of like so bad it's good movies i think this has funny things in it just on a basis of it being made by a very much an amateur um i mean if you're interested in experimental filmmaking i think this has value in it just to see this fits a lot of niches oh it's like it, yeah, it's a super interesting film from top to bottom, from every angle. Um, you know, it, it's not one of my favorite things I've ever watched, but it definitely uh, is worth watching just to be able to contextualize it with all of these elements that I spoke about. So, yeah, that's... Rest in peace, Andrew Getty. Yeah, like, I mean... Poor motherfucker. Like, uh, say what you yeah, will... I honestly feel for him. Say what you will about him, his family, and this movie and its quality... But yeah, like we said earlier, you can't say he didn't like put everything into it. Literally, he literally put he put his life into his it. life, his money, his mind, everything. So that's certainly something, huh? Yes, yes. Damn. So that's wow. the evil within, Austin. Wow. Yeah. Not much Shit. else to say because no, yeah, it's like with, with something where that's just so multifaceted as this. So I, I think that's as good as a place to, to end it. Maybe not the funniest episode today, but definitely I hope thought-provoking just on a pure artistic level. Yeah, I mean, as long as we're thought-provoking, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope you enjoyed that, that little handy I gave you at about the hour mark. Yeah, I hope no one uh, noticed. But... I've gotten really good at quietly administering administering that's so procedural it's like a vaccine administering a hand it's like a vaccine for your horniness (laughs) you gotta get one every day though austin peyton any final words draconian all right well with that being said austin let's go Get some coffee at the ice cream place. I'd say. See you next time, everybody. Bye. It's a rich man's world.